Guide us, Lord God, now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. What a blessing it is, once again, to be in the house of the Lord and to see everyone this morning. Um, the message title this morning is Seeking to Show Off an Extraordinary Savior. Uh, the message is being preached from, uh, it's the fourth and the final part of our vision statement. Uh, for those who have not been here, our vision statement, which says that we are a peculiar people living ordinary lives together with gospel intentionality, seeking to show off an extraordinary Savior. We are a peculiar people, not because we're greater than anyone else, not because we're more deserving than anyone else, but because we have been chosen by the grace of God and saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and brought into a family with God to have a relationship with him. Living ordinary lives together, once we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, we come in a community together, just as we are seated here today. We come in a community together, sharpening one another, making one another better, helping one another see Jesus Christ. With gospel intentionality, we are intentional about sharing the good news, the intentional about living the good news out in our life, whether that be in the workplace, whether that be in our homes, wherever that may be, we are to be intentional with the gospel. And the final part today that we'll look at, seeking to show off an extraordinary Savior. What an extraordinary Savior we serve, amen? Uh, for this morning, to look at uh, just how extraordinary Jesus Christ is, I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. The Gospel of John chapter 1. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. John chapter 1, we'll read verse 1 through 8. And then we're going to skip down to verse 19 and read to verse 28. And the word of the Lord reads, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Down to verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you were neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany 
across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Amen. May the Lord have a blessing upon the hearers and readers of his word. With so many religions in our day, how do you know which one is the truth? I mean, we have Islam and the claims of Muhammad. You have Buddha, Buddhism with the claims of, of Buddha. Then there's Hinduism with this worship of multiple gods. Uh, on top of that, you have other groups such as Jehovah's Witness and Mormons that on the surface seem to, to be Christian. But because their teachings uh, are extremely, their teachings of, of doctrine are, are completely, uh, there's some areas in their doctrine that are completely different than the Christian doctrine, they're not Christian. Even if you hear their name, Jesus Christ. And so with all these different choices, how do you know which is the truth? That begs the question, what makes our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ any different than Muhammad or Buddha or anyone else who's lived over the course of time? How do we know? How do we know the truth? I believe one way you know the truth is similar to what I do when I tend to make a, a huge purchase. One of the things I do, whether it's something that I even go into a restaurant, when I go to a restaurant, especially one that's expensive, you know, you're going to be putting out a little money for one of the things I do is I will go and I will look up a review in a heartbeat. I want to see what others have said about the restaurant that I'm going to be eating in. I want to hear the testimony of those who have eaten at that restaurant that I want to go to. I want to know how is the atmosphere, how is the, the steak that you tasted? I mean, how are the prices, how is the service that you get at this restaurant? What about the parking? I mean, how, just how is everything at this restaurant? I want to know the details from someone who has experienced something at this restaurant. Even when I buy something, if I buy a product or whatever the case may, it may be, whether it's a, a, a low-cost item or something that's expensive, I'll jump on Amazon in a heartbeat. And I'll look at the reviews and I'll see what those who have, said, who, who have that product, what they say. So I want to know, okay, what is your experience with this product that you bought? How, you, since you've used it over a period of time, is it working the way that you expected it to work? Has it broken down? Does it have some serious defect that, that you just can't gather by just looking at it on TV, on TV or on the, on, online? And so reviews, to me, are a, are a huge deal. And I, I, I look at reviews and look at the testimony of what others have said. Similarly, I think we can find confidence that Christianity is the truth by listening to the accounts of those who have seen and have been with Jesus Christ. One such witness was the Apostle John. Uh, John, who was one of Jesus' disciples, one of his 12 disciples, in fact, it says that he was, he was one of Jesus's. he was in the inner circle with Jesus Christ, with Peter, James, and John. And so John, we, we have this gospel of John, and, and John emphasizes the fact of, of that they, they actually walked with Jesus Christ. They spent time with Jesus Christ. These are men who spent three years with Jesus Christ every day. They, they got to see Jesus heal people. They got to break bread with Jesus Christ. They got to see Jesus Christ walk and live this life and not to commit one sin. In fact, they got to see Jesus Christ get crucified on the cross. They were there at the foot of the cross and they saw Jesus Christ hanging from the cross in the heat of the day. 
They saw Jesus Christ get put in the tomb. They saw Jesus Christ raised from the grave. They spent the next 40 days with Jesus Christ before he ascended into heaven. These are men. These are not secondhand accounts. I want you to know these are not secondhand accounts. These are firsthand accounts from those who, who spent time with Jesus Christ. And that's what we're looking at this morning. We're looking at the testimony. We're looking at the written record of the Apostle John, who is, who's writing for the sole purpose that others would know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's writing for the sole purpose that you know that Jesus Christ is an extraordinary Savior. He's writing so that you will know that Jesus Christ is not like anybody else you ever know. He's writing so that you will be convinced that Jesus Christ is worth giving your life to and for. Writing for that very purpose. And so when we, so when we look at this gospel, I want us to just keep that in mind that we're not, we're not reading from someone who's given a secondhand account, but we're reading something in the record from someone who has spent time with Jesus Christ. And from the message today, my prayer is that you will walk away encouraged to show off an extraordinary Savior as we look at how to do that. If we're going to show off Jesus, if we're going to show that he's an extraordinary Savior, we must first be convinced ourselves that he's an extraordinary Savior. We must come, first of all, to see that Jesus Christ is in a league of his own. Because if we're not convinced that Jesus Christ is in a league of his own and that he is an extraordinary savior, then we're certainly not going to seek to show off an extraordinary savior. It's that plain. So we come to this particular text in this passage and we see right off the bat, John goes right in and talks about what makes Jesus Christ so extraordinary. He doesn't do a lot of pleasantries. He doesn't do a lot of greetings. He doesn't go through a, a genealogy like Matthew and Luke and some of the other gospels do. John just steps right in and says, this is why Jesus Christ is extraordinary. In the first verse, he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is this word? I think sometimes we come to the text, many of us have seen it so often, that we just breeze right over and we just say, okay, that's Jesus Christ. But if I don't know Jesus Christ myself and I read this text, I want to know who is the word? Why didn't John just say, in the beginning was Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ was with God. Jesus Christ was God. Why didn't he just say Jesus Christ rather than using the word? And so that, that's what led me to ask that question. Now, we know that Jesus Christ is the word because later on down in the, in, the, in the chapter in verse 14, John says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. He's talking about Jesus Christ. But why did he use the word, the word? The word is translated in Greek, it's logos. And he knew his audience because John was speaking to Greeks and Jews. And to Greeks, the word logos meant everything. It was, it was philosophically, they, they spoke of the word as the energy and, and the reasoning behind all that exists. And so they looked at the word and they put a great emphasis on the word. The Jews 
knew the word was important as well because they saw the word as the word of God, which was the power and wisdom to bring in everything into creation. He knew his audience. And so what John does here is masterfully. He takes the word that is familiar with the Greeks and the Jews and he uses it and he says, the word as you know it is pointing to Jesus Christ. He says, that's what makes him extraordinary. The word that you know it greets really points to Jesus Christ that you talk about has created all things. The word you know it Jews as spoken by God, the wisdom of God and the power of God. He said, that's what we're speaking of. He said, that's Jesus Christ. And so it's important that we understand that the word is speaking of Jesus Christ himself. Truly, Jesus is in a league of his own. And John helps us to see that in the first verse where he says, in the beginning was the word. Jesus Christ, he's saying in establishing that Jesus Christ is eternal. That's what sets Jesus apart, Jesus apart from, from anyone else, that Jesus Christ is eternal. Jesus Christ did not begin to exist when he was born from Mary through the virgin birth, if you will. That's not when Jesus Christ began to exist. Jesus Christ existed well before and has always existed. He's eternal. He never was crea a created being. Jesus Christ was preexistent before that time. And so John established, he says, in the beginning, in essence, he's saying that before there was a beginning, Jesus Christ was. That's what he's trying to say. He says, before there was an earth with ground and, and water and plants and vegetation and mountains and hills and valleys and people to roam everywhere and animals, he says, before that, he says that Jesus Christ was. He says before there was a universe, before there were galaxies, before there was air, before there was molecules or anything else, he says Jesus Christ already existed. He says that's what makes him extraordinary. He's eternal. Not only does he tell us that Jesus Christ is eternal, he says that Jesus Christ is also distinct. As we see in, as he goes on, he says, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was with God. Jesus Christ has a relationship, a unique relationship with God the Father. But even then, Jesus Christ has a, a unique relationship. Jesus Christ is also God himself. As he establishes further down, he says, and the word was God. Jesus Christ is distinct from God the Father, but he is God himself. We believe this, and, and as we look at throughout God's word, as we look throughout scripture, we know that and we believe that uh, in the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each person is God. Each person is different. There's one God in three persons. Each person is fully God. We don't believe in multiple gods. We believe in one God, three persons. And we see that Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. And what John is establishing here, he says that Jesus Christ, he says, the word was with God. There has a relationship. God, Jesus Christ is dwelling with God the Father in heaven, even now, and he did before 2,000 years ago. And he says that Jesus Christ is also God. He is not Archangel Michael, as Jehovah's Witnesses would have you to believe. See, they do some gymnastics with this particular text here if you look at the watchtower bible it'll say that he he it says that the word was a god lowercase g so don't get fooled 
And so John is saying that he was God. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. He is omniscient. That's the God we serve. That's Jesus Christ. He says that he is in a league all of, of, of all of his own. Hebrews 1 3 actually goes even further, says that he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So he's talking about Jesus Christ. When the Hebrew author was saying that he's just so much better than, than the angels that you worship, so much better than Moses and all these other individuals who are created. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, he doesn't mean firstborn as though Jesus Christ was created. He means firstborn in that Jesus Christ is preeminent over all creation and he's sovereign over all creation. That's what he's trying to establish there in Colossians. And so we see scripture interpret scripture where it's really declaring that Jesus Christ is in a league all, all of his own. As he says that Jesus Christ is these things. Jesus Christ is eternal. Jesus Christ is distinct. Jesus Christ is also God. And he also established that Jesus Christ is the agent of creation. As we look further down in verse 3, he says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Talk about being in a league all of your own. Everything that exists, exists because of Jesus Christ. Everything that we see, you and I are here today because of Jesus Christ. You can step out of the bed this morning because of Jesus Christ. You can take a breath because of Jesus Christ. The air you breathe is because of Jesus Christ. The trees you see are because of Jesus Christ. Everything exists because of him. Colossians 1, 16 through 17, Paul goes in on and he says, for by him all things were made in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones and dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Who is like our God? Who's like Jesus Christ? Incomparable is what John is trying to let us know. To compare him to Muhammad, he says it's not even, it's not even, no. To compare him to Buddha, he says no, that's not even, it's not even, you can't even compare. It's incomparable. He is God. We worship him this morning because we owe our very life to him. Without Jesus, there would be no you and there'd be no me. Not only is Jesus Christ the agent of creation, John says that Jesus Christ is the very one that gives life. He says that in verse 4, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In him was life. Jesus Christ is He's the very essence of life. He gives life. Not just physical life, but eternal life as well. Jesus Christ is all these things, and that's what sets him apart. That's what establishes him as being a league all of his own. But some of you may be saying, okay, so what does that have to do with the here and now? I'm struggling financially. What does that have to do with anything? I'm struggling with insecurities. I'm struggling with depression each and every day. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. What does that have to do with, how's that going to help me? And the fact that Jesus Christ is who he is, that means everything. Because Jesus Christ is who he says he is. He wants you to know whatever you need, he says that I am. He says that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. 
So Jesus Christ is the one who satisfies us. He's the one who can fill us up. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, so they, for they shall be filled. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and in and find pasture. Jesus Christ saying that I am the door. You come through me, he says that you will find pasture. You will find good stuff. I am the door. Jesus Christ didn't stop there. He says that I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus Christ watches over those who are his. So regardless of what you're going through, Jesus Christ says that I am the shepherd. I'm the one who's watching over you day and night. I keep you. I care for you. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus Christ said that after he raised Lazarus from the dead, and he was consoling Mary and Martha, and he says that I am the resurrection and the life. So though we die, he says that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he says you will, you will live. You, you will live. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. All these things set him apart. He says that I am the true vine. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. These seven I am's that Jesus Christ declared. No one else can make those statements and back them up except the Son of God. No one else can say these things except God himself. Jesus loved you and me enough, even though he's God, even though he didn't have to do it, he loves you and me enough that he stepped down from his eternal dwelling to put on the flesh, to become like you and me and to walk the dusty roads that we walk so that we would be able to have an opportunity to have a relationship with God the Father for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, because he's, he's so high, but he, he chose to, to stoop so low. He's in a league all of his own. Once we come to see that Jesus Christ is in a league all of his own, there's only one way for us really to truly respond. When you come to see how great Jesus Christ is, when you come to see who Jesus Christ is and, and how awesome he really is and, and the depth that he went, went to to come and save you and me, when we come to really realize how, how, how much Jesus Christ gave up by coming from heaven to save you and me, when he didn't have to do it, when we really realize how awesome how, and how amazing he is, then there's only one way for us truly to respond and that is to show that he's an extraordinary Savior. And we do this by living our lives as a witness for Jesus Christ. Living our lives as a witness for Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what we see in the text from a man named John the Baptist in the passage. Not to be confused with John, the one who wrote the gospel, the apostle John. But John the Baptist, one who went before Jesus Christ. John lived his life as a witness for Jesus Christ because he knew that Jesus was in a league all his own. And we see that in verse 6 through 8, where John kind of switches gears a little bit. First, he's, he's speaking of, 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 of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 6, he says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light 
but came to bear witness about the light. John had one primary mission, to prepare the hearts of the people for the coming of Jesus Christ. It's just like a construction crew that is really going to make a road and pave a road. They, they're cutting down trees and everything, and, and they're, they're making this road smooth so that, so that others can travel over it. That's, that's kind of like what, what John is doing. John the Baptist was called by God to precede Jesus Christ and to begin to preach a message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and to prepare their hearts for the coming of the king. That's what John's mission was. And we see John, he did this, he lived his life as a witness for Jesus Christ, and he helps us to see what it looks like to show off Jesus Christ. One of the things that we see uh, from the text is, and what challenges us, or should challenge us, is that in order for us to show off Jesus Christ, we must answer the call to be a witness. We have to answer the call to be a witness. John the Baptist answered that call. You know, sometimes we, there's a simple, uh, I guess, yet an amazing invention that was made called the caller ID, right? We love caller ID. Uh, we got caller ID on our mobile phones. We got caller IDs at the house. And so just as soon as somebody answer, calls on that, that phone or whatever the case may be, we look at that caller ID. And if we don't recognize that number, oh, don't you touch that, don't you touch that phone. Don't, don't answer that. Because it could be a telemarketer or a bill collector. We're going to keep it real. Some of y'all are like, okay, I know they're looking for me. I got y'all next week. That's not, you know, we as Christians, we're supposed to pay our bills and pay our debts. That's what God's word says. But y'all know how we can do, right? And so that caller ID has become very beneficial to us. Uh, so we screen those calls. Friends call us on the phone and we don't answer it. And they say, I didn't even know that was you. What they're really saying is, I thought you were a bill collector. <laughs> Reason why I didn't answer The, thing, the amazing thing is, is when I look at and I think about caller ID, sometimes we treat God the same way. Sometimes we treat God's call to be a witness like we do telemarketers or bill collectors. God calls us to be a witness for Christ by telling others about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. But sometimes we, we hear it, but we ignore the call. We don't want to answer that call. Why is it that we don't want to answer that call? Because sometimes it, it, it stretches us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes that's why we ignore God's call to, answer, to, 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 to be a witness. And just as I'm speaking about being a witness now, some of you have tuned me out. Like, okay, I'm not going to do that. Just like when those bill collectors call, I'm not going to answer that phone. God calls us when we look at how who Jesus Christ is. And I'm not here to really, I'm not here to really try to convince you to do it because I, what I want to do is just help you to see who Jesus Christ is. Because once you really know who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for you, no one has to convince you to go share who Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. I think the closer you get to Christ, the more you want to share Jesus Christ. It's just like when we use the telephone, we don't have to, nobody has to tell us to call somebody to share some news that, that's been good news. We want to do that. No one has to tell us to go on Facebook and post something that's really been going on in our life, right? 
We want to share that. Just the same as with our relationship with Jesus Christ, when we meditate and when we think about what Jesus Christ has done and, and the depth and the width and the height of his love, then we, we're, we're, we're compelled to really want to share that news with someone else so that they may be saved. And so that's what God calls us to do, to answer the call to witness for Jesus Christ. Not only does the, uh, he, he call us to answer the call to witness for Jesus Christ, uh, but we need to do that. The only way we're going to do that is if we love those who God has placed before us. How do we do that? How do we answer the call to witness? How do we love those? One of the ways is good works. Uh, answering the call to witness is, it looks different for everybody. Being a witness uh, is, it looks, may look a little different for everybody. One of the ways we be a witness is to let our light shine. As it says in Matthew 5, uh, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. To do, to do good works. To serve others. To not think of ourselves more highly than we are. But, we shouldn't limit ourselves to just good works because good works don't say. Good works don't say. Faith in Jesus Christ is what saves. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll do a good work in a heartbeat if it keeps us maybe from having to share Jesus Christ or speak about our faith in some way to someone maybe that we don't know. And so it causes us to get out of our comfort zone at times. But one thing that, that I found is that when we're stretched by God, when, when, we, when we trust in him, when we put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, that's when we truly experience God's power and his presence because we're leaning on him and not ourselves. And so I want to encourage you not just to rely on good works, but to also look for those opportunities. Use those good works. The good works are to serve as a tool to lead others to Jesus Christ. They're not the end of themselves. We're to use those tools, whatever we do, how we serve other people, how we are gracious to others. All of those things are to serve as a tool and as a mechanism to lead others to know who Jesus Christ is. That's all it's for. And so we have to be intentional about doing those things. In fact, if we're, if we're not intentional about lead, using our good works to lead others to Jesus Christ, our good works can have a tendency to lift us up rather than Jesus Christ up. Because others will see what we do and they will compliment us and lift us up and say, oh, you're so good, you're so nice, you're so generous, thank you. But how is it that we use that to, to point that to Jesus Christ and say that, you know what, my motivation for doing what I do is because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. That's my motivation. And so that's something that we have to be intentional about. That's something that we have to, have to really work on, especially if we're not used to doing that, but just saying, okay, I, everything that I do, I want it in some way, Lord Jesus, to, to point back to you. Give me the opportunities to share you with someone else and to serve. And so those good works are just a door for others to enter in and experience the grace of Jesus Christ. Not only are we to answer the call to be a witness, but we're also to testify with no conditions. Testify with no conditions. 
One thing that's amazing as I look at this text and we look at John the Baptist. John the Baptist was called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And in this particular time and period, John the Baptist had not witnessed Jesus Christ do any miracles. John the Baptist did not see Jesus Christ heal the woman with the issue of the blood. John the Baptist did not see Jesus Christ raise Lazarus from the dead. John the Baptist did not see Jesus Christ heal those who were blind and raise others from the dead. He did not see those things. John the Baptist did not see uh, Jesus Christ get crucified on the cross. In fact, John the Baptist found himself in jail. And he even questioned at times, he's like, okay, is this the Christ or is there another one coming? He's, he's in jail. He, he hasn't experienced the miracles that Jesus Christ has done. And he was beheaded before even experiencing any of those things. But even though John the Baptist had not seen any of Jesus Christ's miracles, he still was testifying to who Jesus Christ was. Because he was testifying without any conditions. And we must do the same as well. Sometimes our testimony, we're looking to testify or we're waiting for God to bring us through before we give a testimony to what God has done. And so if, if God supplies my financial needs when I'm struggling with my money, then I, will, I may give a testimony as to how God has blessed me. Or if God has got me a new car or another car that I, that I was really needing, praise the Lord, he got me this new car. And we certainly should be quick to give God praise for those things, but what about those times and those moments when, when things are really tight when we're struggling when when we're not experiencing the same thing are we going to do we testify to God's goodness at that point and so John the Baptist he gives us uh, an example and, and, and a way in which we should we should look to Jesus Christ and testify just because of who he is John the Baptist says that I testify that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that's enough and enough itself I testify that he is distinct, that he is God, that in the beginning he was. He says, that's what I testify to. He's not talking about Jesus Christ's miracles or anything like that. He says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. He says, this is Jesus Christ who's come into this world. So let us not look to just testify when God has brought us through something. But let us testify even while God has got us into something. And say, Lord, that I know one, because you're God, I need, to, I need to praise you anyway. And even if you don't bring me through, I know that it's for your glory and for my good, which ain't easy to do. But I know that to be the case because your word has declared it. And I know I'm a child of the kings because you've declared it. I know that I'm cared for because you've already declared it. I know you will never leave me nor forsake me because you've already declared it. I know that you have prepared a place for me because you've already declared it. So because of these things, I will give praise to your name. Regardless of what I go through, regardless of when I'm in the furnace, I will give praise to you because you're good. And so not, don't let our condition and what we're going through influence our testimony and keep us from testifying. Because I can tell you what, Satan certainly will put some stuff on you. If that'll keep us from talking, Satan will say, okay, well, we'll just, we'll shut them up real quick. 
have them go through some things that will keep them from testifying to how, who Jesus Christ is. In fact, when we go through something, that's even more amazing for those who don't know Jesus Christ. He says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient. When you're going through something and you still can look to Jesus Christ and say that he is my God, he is my Savior, when you can still look to Jesus Christ and say, I know he's got me, then that is, what is, it, that is where the power of God comes into play. And for those who don't know him, they say, how can you do this? How can you go through this? How can you still smile? How can you still love others? How can you still look to serve other people when you're in the, in the lion's den? He says, because I know he got me. I know he's got me. She can say, I know he's got me. That's where the power comes into play. Where you can speak that even when you don't even see it. Even when you don't even see your deliverance, you can say, I know I've been delivered. Even when you don't even see the victory, you say, I know I've got the victory. Not because you're claiming it and you're speaking it. That's not what I'm talking about. Because you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross and because he says it is finished, you can say, I know I've got the victory. I know I've been delivered. So let us testify with no conditions. If John the Baptist had enough reason to testify to Christ and he hadn't even seen the miracle, hadn't even seen Jesus Christ raised from the grave, if he could testify like he did, if he could put camel's hair on and live in the wilderness and eat locusts and honey and all those things and, and testify and go out and preach in the wilderness and do all these things and not know that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, how much more should we be able to testify to who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us? God has given us even more reason to testify. Not only should we accept the call to witness and the testify with no conditions, but we, if we're going to make Jesus faint, if we're going to, to, to show off an extraordinary Savior, we need to also make Jesus famous. Make Jesus famous. Not ourselves. Make Jesus famous. As we look in verse 19, John the Baptist, he's been preaching, and he's drawing large crowds. Because he's preaching a message. He's preaching with power. And the religious leaders aren't sure what's going on here. They know something's going on. There's something going down. But they just don't know what. And so they suspect, they say that this has got to be either Elijah, the Messiah, or the prophet. And in verse 19 it says, and this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. He said, are you the prophet? And he answered, no. They, so they said to him, who are you then? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. It says, if John the Baptist said, it doesn't matter who I am. He says, what matters is who Jesus Christ is. I'm not Jesus Christ, but I'm here to point you to Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was in it just to make Jesus famous, to make Jesus known. In the world in which we live, it's so easy for us to look to make a name for ourselves. We want to make a name for ourselves on social media. We want to make a name for ourselves at work. A lot of it because maybe because of insecurities or because we've been overlooked, 
or whatever the case may be. But a lot of times we want to make a name for ourselves, and sometimes we don't even know it. And many times, because we want to make a name for ourselves, other people can't see Jesus Christ because we stand in the way. And John the Baptist, that's the one thing you got to love about John the Baptist, is John the Baptist, he had a large crowd following him. They, mis they had a case of mistaken identity. If, what if somebody came up to you and says, are you Jesus? He's preaching, he's preaching this message with such power that they're like, are, are you the Messiah? He's baptizing, they're like, he's got to be somebody. You know, when I think of how John is, it, it reminds me of that song, the Williams, the Williams Brothers that they saw. Uh, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Amen. That's, that's, that would, if, there was, if there was a song for John the Baptist, that would be it. That was a little bit before my time, but come back. Thank God for the internet. If there was a song for John the Baptist, it would be it because he's like, I'm just a nobody. Trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. He's not concerned about the accolades. He's not concerned about anything else. He's just to make Jesus famous. And, and that's the mindset we have to have as well. That Lord Jesus, help me to just be an ambassador for you. Help me to point others to you. When others give me the credit, help me to give credit to you. Help me to be secure in who I am in Christ Jesus, enough that I don't need to feel the need to make a name for myself. Because I think a lot of times what we face is a case of identity crisis. Because we don't know who we are. Many times we feel the need to make a name for ourselves. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and become a child of the king, our identity of who we are is now hidden in Jesus Christ. And so everything that Jesus Christ accomplished, that is, that is, that's it to our credit. And so if we know who, what our identity is, then we won't feel the need to defend ourselves or speak out or to lash back at somebody because they called us out of our name or whatever the case may be, or somebody cut us off on the road and we feel like I got to get back with them, or we don't feel the need to get revenge or whatever the case may be because we know who we are. And John the Baptist knew who he was, and he knew that it didn't matter so much who he was, but who Jesus Christ was. It's just simply to make Jesus Christ famous. He goes down in verse 24 and it says, Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptized. John the Baptist says that, First of all, they were asked and they said that, John the Baptist, you're, you're baptizing. Why are you baptizing if you're not the Messiah, if you're not Elijah, if you're not the prophet? He says, why are you doing what you do? John the Baptist, baptism was, was certainly still taking place at that time, but it was, it, was, it was typically baptisms were done 
for Gentiles who were being proselytized. They were converting to the, the faith of Judaism. But John the Baptist was baptizing everybody. He was baptizing Jews, everybody. And they were like, if, what authority do you come baptizing like you do if you're neither one of these individuals? He didn't even really answer the question. He says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not even know. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He says, his shoes, his sandals, his sneakers, I can't even untie even though I got large crowds, this one, I can't even untie his shoes. When you don't make a name for yourself, you're more concerned at what Jesus Christ thinks of you than what other people are thinking of you. And Jesus Christ said about John, he says that there's no greater, there's no greater man that's come from the womb than John the Baptist. So we be more concerned about what Jesus Christ says about us than what other people say about us. It'll take us a long way. And Jesus and John the Baptist, that's what he's saying. He says that I'm, I'm here to make Jesus Christ famous. So let that be our desire so that others know more about him and what he did than who we are and what we did. That's something that we, we need to make sure we do. One of the questions that we can ask ourselves to know or to test ourselves to see if we are looking to make Jesus famous or ourselves. We can ask ourselves, am I more concerned about what others think about me or am I more concerned about what Jesus Christ thinks of me? Which one is it? And so we see John obviously was concerned more about what Jesus Christ said. And that needs to be our desire as well. And and to pray to the Lord to help us to get to that point. Not in our own strength, but Lord, help me to get to that point where I want to make you famous, where I want to speak for you, where I have enough boldness to where I can speak up for your name and testify to your goodness. All of these things are good, that we accept the call to be a witness, that we testify with no condition, and that we make Jesus famous, but even before we do any of these things, we need, in order for us to show off Jesus Christ. In order to show that he's extraordinary, we must surrender our life ourselves to Jesus Christ and accept him as our Lord and Savior. And we do that through, by taking part, and we, we, we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that he, he died on the cross and rose from the grave in three days. And we demonstrate that he's an extraordinary Savior to the world. We be a witness the first time we're able to really witness to somebody else when we put our faith in Jesus Christ is to get baptized. When you experience the baptism, you stand before everyone and, you, and you're declaring that Jesus Christ is an extraordinary Savior because he saved a wretch like me. So we go through the baptism. Baptism doesn't save you, but it does give a, it does paint a picture or give, it, it helps to demonstrate that we've given our life to Jesus Christ, that we are united with Jesus Christ in his death. And because we are dead with Jesus Christ, we're, we're dead to our sins. And it also unites us in his resurrection so that we're, we're raised again a new person when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So we're no longer slaves to sin, to the power of sin and to the presence of sin. But because of the power of God and the Holy Spirit that he, that he gives us, we're, we're free. Free from guilt, free from condemnation, free from those things that we've done before, free from what others have thought about us, 
free to, to serve and to live for Jesus Christ. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to urge you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Come to see that there's truly no one like Jesus Christ. If you're waiting for someone greater, there is no one greater. If you're waiting to, to see more before you give your life, there is no more. There, he's given us all that we need. He's given us eyewitnesses. He's given us the testimony of who Jesus Christ is. I urge you not to wait, not to delay, but to give your life to Jesus Christ today. To come to know that he is a, he is a God who saves, that he is a God who is worthy of your praise, that he is a God who will watch over you, who will keep you, who will, who will, who will not leave you nor forsake you. This is the God we serve. Truly, he is an extraordinary Savior. Amen? Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we bless your name, Lord God, and thank you, Lord, for your grace, the grace that saved us, your grace that chose us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy, for your faithfulness, Lord God. For Lord God, when we were, even when we have done things or, or said things that we shouldn't, Lord God, how merciful you've been to us. How good you are to send your son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death on a cross for the penalty of my sin. That we would have life and have it abundantly if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. I pray, Lord God, that you would move in the hearts even now. Even as we depart, Father God, may your word continue to have its way in the hearts of those who have heard. We come and ask and pray all these things. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.